What if the cult had been a Harley? <laughs> yeah, could you imagine it then? I mean, there were all kinds of problems if the cult had been a Harley. First of all, would they have even heard the people saying, praise to the King of David, as he ran down through the, the road there? And that's one problem I thought of. I mean... There would also be the problem of maybe getting your coats caught up in the wheels. That might also be a problem, you know, the, all these jackets thrown over top of the seat of the Harley. Those problems, though, don't match the biggest problem. Could you imagine sending two of your friends out and saying, Go find a Harley upon whom no one has ever ridden and bring it here to me. And if the owners say, Why are you taking this Harley? You say to them, The Lord has need of it. Well, it was just a couple weeks ago that I was here at the local Harley-Davidson shop in um, Hudson, and I sat upon this really sweet 1200 Roadster. It was all black, and you know, I was, I was really checking. I think I might have still had a clerical collar on, and the guy was looking at me a little strange. And, um, and I said, don't worry, priest ride too. And, uh, and, and you know, I'm sitting on it. And I can just imagine what he would say if I said, I'll have to take this with me. After all, the Lord has need of it. Uh, yeah, right. I'm guessing he probably would have said, Yeah, that and about $10,000 will get this thing out of the door for you. There would be all kinds of problems, wouldn't there? Not least of all because this is a possession that we would hold fast to. And the owner, hmm, not so sure if I'm ready to let this go on such a flimsy excuse. You know, one of the things about being a dad that's really not so great, you know, being a dad has so many great things about it. Love having children, uh, then the joy of my life. But there's just one thing, just one thing, especially with sons. They seem to have no respect for private property when it comes to tools. Um, they think that socket sets were made with their name on it like their name is Craftsman or something like that. And so every time I go to work on something, where's the 10 millimeter? I mean, but you know, like, the only ones they ever lose, by the way, are the ones that you use the most of. And so I can't find the 10 millimeter, and, and where are the vice grips, and why is it I bought 12 hammers in my life and not a single one of them to be found? And I get, I know you'll find this hard to believe, uh, but I get a little testy, you know, when I get to go out and work on something and I can't find a tool. Where is, where is this tool? It's my tool. I bought these tools with my own money. I worked hard for them. And then you have lost them. And I went out and replaced them. And you've lost them again. And, you know, I'm, I'm just really not happy about this. And, and I say things like, Oh, shucks, I wish you hadn't lost my tools. Yeah. <laughs> just like that. You know, you said that too, right? Yeah, I think so. My stuff. Don't touch my stuff. And if I said that a one time, I've said it a million times, right? If I had a nickel for every time I said, Don't touch my stuff, I would be a very wealthy man today. You know, it's, it's part of, it's part of the, the way that we live. We, we, have the, we even affirm it. Look, there's a commandment. It's right here in the Bible. Respect personal property. It's my stuff. And we Americans, oh my, we really are big on stuff, aren't we? In fact, we're so big on having our stuff, we reject the whole notion of a king. We will not have a king in this land because a king can take your stuff. That's what kings do. They just say, it's mine, and they take it. And we say no. And so in our very national structure, we'll have no king. Our first president said only a second term, and that is all, to set a precedent to remind Americans that they should never have a king. 
And we've learned that lesson well. I'm my own king. <laughs> I'll take my own possessions. I'll keep my own stuff. And then along comes this Jesus fellow who thinks he wants to be king. And it's all good and well. It's, it's a wonderful thing when He's saving you from your enemies, when you're shouting, Hosanna, save us now, Lord, save us now. When, when He's a king who wants to help you, oh, that's great. What does king want your stuff? I mean, what if He says, untie that Harley and give it to me? Oh, Lord, not that, anything but that. But following Jesus means that we give up our rights, don't we? I mean, you heard it in the text, didn't you? Listen to what he says to his disciples. Um, he, he's coming down. Go into the village. Go. Uh, it's a command. It's an imperative. You, go. And when you get there, find. And when you find, untie. And when you untie, bring it here. This is like a, a dictatorship here, isn't it? You, go. Do this. Do that. Do that. Then come here. And you wonder if the disciples might have said, uh, just who do you think you are? <laughs> All these orders and whatnot. I don't think I signed up for this. You don't tell me what to do. I tell me what to do. And yet the Lord seems to have another thing going on. You, go do this. And then, of course, give it up. I like the owner here. The owner comes out, what are you doing taking my colt? The disciples say, the Lord has need of it. And he seems to say, okay. And he walks away. Who does that? <laughs> Nobody does that, do they? But he's willing to give his stuff. But the people, they also give something. The crowd, they take off their coats. They lay them down on the ground for Jesus' colt to trample on. I don't know if you've ever followed a colt for long. Yeah. Some of those coats are not coming back in the same condition, are they? You know, they've thrown them down. It's okay to laugh. Yeah, they've thrown them down. And they've given them up. But they're also giving up their praise. They're giving glory to God. They're, they're praising God despite all of His demands. Despite the fact that this King brings with Him all sorts of, uh, of obligations. Because this is what discipleship means. We found this last week with Mary. She, she pours this expensive bottle of perfume all over the Lord's feet. And we see it even more here. If we're going to be a disciple, and if we're going to proclaim this one that we follow as King, it means that we give up everything. This is what discipleship is about. It's not about saying, Oh yeah, Lord, I'll tack you on as a part of a nice little religious appendage to my life. It's about saying, you get everything I have. That too, and that too, and that too. There's a, a, a lady, perhaps you've heard of her, Cory Ten Boom. She was um, a, a, a prisoner of war uh, in a Nazi concentration camp. She was a Lutheran, lived in Holland. Her family was pious Lutherans. And they hid Jews in their attic. And the Nazis came and they found you know, an attic full of Jews and took them all and told the father and told the family, if you do this again, you'll all be arrested. And he said, we're going to do it again. <laughs> and they did. And they came back and eventually they found them and, and they arrested them all. Corey and her father and her sister were put into a concentration camp. And in the camp, treated as brutally as you could possibly imagine, and her sister dies in the concentration camp. 
And she said it was the greatest pain that she had ever felt in her life. And later on, she asked God, why would you have to take my sister? You know, and there was no answer coming back. And she, said, and she said, somewhere along the line, I learned that everything that I have in my life is like something I hold in my hand. And that what I really need to do is hold it open like this. Because it, then it doesn't hurt so bad when the Lord pries my fingers off of it. Discipleship means giving everything. It means that we give God not just all of our stuff, but all of our plans, all of our aspirations, all of our hopes, all of our dreams, everything that we have that we give away. The stuff is the easy part. Everything else is what's hard. But here's the thing. In the midst of giving everything away, we also give up our praise. We praise the Lord in the midst of this. Lord, we thank You for the opportunity to give to You all that we have, all of our hopes and dreams and aspirations. A, a, a few years ago, I was in Scotland. Well, I guess it was just two years ago I was in Scotland. And, and while I was there, my friend um, who lives in Edinburgh said, Joe, I want to take you to the castle. You know, I always thought castles were like places where... Um, you know, princesses lived or whatever, you know, like Disney, you know. that Those are apparently palaces. Castles are fortresses. Palaces are, are mansions. Okay, but I want to take you to the castle in Edinburgh. And I said, well, that'd be wonderful. And so we're going up, and it's up on this hill, this big fortress in Edinburgh. And we're going through this castle, and, and my friend James, who's, who's Scottish and, and knows everything about Scotland ever, like where every rock and every clover is, and he says to me, um, I want to take you to the dungeon. I thought that was wonderful. Let's go to the dungeon. And as we go down to the dungeon, you see this these old um, you know stocks and and these uh, these prison cells. And he says, "I want to show you something that you'll never believe is in Scotland. It's the oldest known depiction of the stars and stripes." Really? And he took me to the cell, and sure enough, carved into the wall, or into the door, this wooden oak door, was an American flag, in a very crude sort of way. There were some French people behind me, and I started singing, God Bless America. And, uh, and so, we're, we're looking at this, um, at this uh, little depiction of the, of the Stars and Stripes, and I said, how in the world did this get here? And he says, during the Revolutionary War, the British used the castle at Edinburgh, as a place to house prisoners of war. And they brought some American soldiers here, some revolutionary soldiers, and had them here in this prison. And one of them, as an act of defiance, <laughs> carved the stars and stripes in this British concentration camp, or not concentration camp, but prisoner of war camp. As if to say, you can take me from my home. You can take me from whatever I... But I'm keeping my plans. <laughs> I'm keeping this aspiration for freedom. I'm keeping this, this hope alive that freedom isn't about whether I'm in or out of a prison cell. Freedom is about what's inside of my heart. And I wonder... I wonder if discipleship isn't about that. It's about real freedom. And real freedom means that you follow the Lord and you give Him everything. It's not getting what you want. It's not doing what you want. But it's giving everything away. And when you've given everything away, when there's nothing else that you hold so tightly to, but that the Lord owns it, 
When you've given Him your stuff and your plans and your hopes and your dreams and your aspirations, when you've given it all to Him, then you are truly free. Amen.